Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> We're tonight's entertainment. Look at my butt. Now look at my front butt. And for the longest time, he was a big Trump supporter. 
And then after he saw that election, uh, that debate the other day, rather, uh, he said, I'm voting independent this year. I don't like either one of them enough to vote for him. So, you know, I don't really agree with third party. I mean, I think we should have some established third parties in this country, but I don't really uh, agree with problem. voting for either one of them just because, you know, I don't yeah, agree with voting for The problem is getting a third party established. Cause until it's yeah. established, people are going to be like, well, you're just pissing your vote away. Yeah, which is not untrue. I mean, it is true. You know, you're basically voting for someone who has no chance of getting into office, but I guess, I mean, it. If that's what he yeah, when our biggest right, uh, third-party nominee is some guy with a boot on his head. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Come on, Vermin, pick it up. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I didn't intend this because we've been planning this for like three weeks now. Well, for a little bit of time, but in Pittsburgh today they declared, yeah. declared it George Romero Day. And I bet you people right. are wondering where the hell Nisley and Nubus come from. Well, that was another example of Romero putting some of his flourishes on there that fall flat. Right. Because I like it, but Nisley and Nubus, that's not a title to put your ass in the seat, is it? <laughs> no, no, I, uh, yeah, you, we were kind of talking about this earlier and that, yeah, that was kind of a weird choice for the, uh, for the title, but now we didn't really get around to talking about it, but is that, is that the title? Are they actually re-releasing it under that title? No, on the Criterion disc, it, the work print, neither the Anubis, is on there. Right. Yeah. And we had and talked about that. what it was, he had a short story, which we've talked about before, where uh, the first part of the story was going to be uh, three guys with guns hunting uh, dead zombies over the top of the hill and then the zombies killing them. And then it was going to flash forward about two or three years to seeing two people running over the hill and the zombies hunting them down with guns. Right. So he yeah. decided to take the first part of the story and put it into the script, which until a week before it came out is Night of the Anubis, because if you ever really looked at Night of the Living Dead's trailer, there's stills from the movie, but there's no moving picture footage in the movie, in the trailer. Yeah, yeah, the original trailer for Night of the Living Dead is all just still photos, yeah, yep. That's because they changed it that close to the bullet, and the company that released it, I, I think, I forget the company, but... Being a first-time filmmaker, Romero, Ruth, the Image 10 guys forgot to put their copyright on Night yeah. of the Living Dead. 
Yeah, that's the sad story of Night of the Living Dead that that Romero never got. Well, I think he did None get the rights back really, before he died, the, but for the longest. Yeah, until the Criterion DVD come out, none of them made any money and. A lot of these we're going to talk about comes from that, trying to get back the copyright. Now, but, I'll tell you the I'll tell you the thing that annoys me the most about it, and I think you and I have talked about this before, but the fact that Romero did not have the rights to Night of the Living Dead meant that it immediately went public domain. I'm telling you, Stephen, if I see one more fucking horror movie where the movie that the characters in the movie are watching is Night of the Living Dead, I am going to lose my absolute shit. <laughs> I am so, I'm so sick of that. I get it. Hey, at you least know, they're Halloween like, too, the timing is so tied in it that you can actually tell how long the movie has been taking place in the real world just based on the timing of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh, my gosh. I'm just like, I'm so sick of it. I watched two separate movies yesterday where, two separate horror movies yesterday where the characters in the movie were watching Night of the Living Dead. And, I mean... I get it. They're trying to pay homage to Romero, and they're trying to show some respect to Romero. But at the same time, I also know they're just doing it because it's a cheap, you know, you don't have to pay for it. You can just slap some Night of the Living Dead on a TV screen and have your characters watch it. And, oh, yeah, yeah, oh, it's a, it's a horror movie, and they're watching a scary movie. Ooh, you know. Like, I'm so tired of that. What's sad is, is when Night of the Living Dead first hit, it got horrible reviews. They called it too bloody, too gory, too violent. Right. But then just two or three years down the road, it started getting great reviews. Yeah. I know... Big three that created the midnight movie genre, along with El Topo and The Harder They Come. Yep. And the funny thing is, like, Night of the Living Dead really isn't that bloody. It's not really that gory. It's got a few gory scenes in it, but probably, I mean, I don't know. I wasn't alive back then, so I don't know if it was really, like, you know that transgressive for its time, I know as well as you well, do that a lot of a lot of people yeah. took umbrage towards the fact that the main character was African American. I know Yeah, on a good story based on that, look up Joe R. Lansdale the night they missed the drive in show. Yep. It's about a couple of guys who get into some deep shit because they don't want to go see down south, and this is true. A lot of this happened. Down south, they didn't go see Night of the Living Dead because it had a Negro as a star, a black. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it was a big midnight movie hit. Yep. 
And every time that they read in the papers about how successful it was, it pissed off the Image 10 guys. <laughs> like, <laughs> our movie is making all this mother-freaking money, and we ain't getting a dime of it. Because the releasing company left the trademark off on purpose. It never was public public domain. Yeah. It was never. They had no way to really establish their rights because there's not a right on the movie. Yeah. Because the copyright wasn't on there. It was never intended to be public domain. No. Yeah. Uh, It it brings me back to one of my sadly favorite movie jokes that I brought it made up. Hey, Nate, how can you tell an independent horror classic from the 70s? (laughs) I don't know. The people who made it got Fucked all the money they made. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, continuously, Night of the Living Dead played throughout the 70s and stuff. It was a big... Right? Like I said, a big hit. After there was always Vanilla, which... It's a horrible movie. There's no defending that. We can we talked about this before, but there's no defending that. They broke up, and George got the rights to Night, Dawn, Day, and of the Dead. You know, Night, Dawn, the Day, the Night, Dawn part. Yeah, and the ten guys, which is Rudy Russo, uh, and the rest of them got the right to Living Dead. Yeah, and Mm -hmm. Night of the Living Dead was such a big hit over in Italy that Romero, after he, we'll get into it next week when we get into '78, but. Romero basically had two movies come out here in 1978 in the same year. Yep, yep, that's true. But yeah, yeah, the other one was when he filmed in Pittsburgh. He met his wife and all that, Christine Forrest. And the second he was finishing up on Martin and he didn't know what he was going to do. He didn't have any money. And then this Italian guy said, hey, Night of the Living Dead was a big hit. Do you have the rights to do the sequel? Yeah. Okay, come over here and I'll pay you just to write it. Yeah. And that's how we got Dawn of the Dead. Dawn of the Dead is one of my all-time favorite movies. It's not even, I mean, I'm a big horror fan, but I'm a movie junkie in general. But Dawn of the Dead is one of my all-time favorite movies in any genre. It, that movie is so perfectly crafted. There's, If there was one thing I could change about it, I would make the scene where they, where they uh, you know, hotwire the 18-wheelers and use them to seal off the, the, the mall 
I would have made yeah. that scene a little bit shorter. Like, we get it. Okay, once I see two trucks pull up and block the entrances, I get it. I don't need to see all five of the Well, that scene works better in the Argento cut, where they cut out a lot of the filler stuff and just leave the action action. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I have that but, version, too. I have the... I have the Dawn of the Dead box set that has, like, four different versions of yeah. the movie in it. Yeah, it's got the Argento cut and in And the there Dawn too. of the Dead uh, Region 2 set, which is Blu-ray for all that new 4K Masters, comes out in a couple of weeks, I think, at the end of this month. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, and it's funny, in 1979 we got Dawn of the Dead, but we never did that, for some reason they never, well they tried to do sequel rights to Night of the Living Dead, and John Russo wrote a script, which he turned into the novel called Return of the Living Dead. It's set maybe six months after night, and everyone, well, the zombie virus, well, the outbreak has pretty much been contained. They've killed all the zombies, and they have, like, uh, crucifix, special, like, stakes where they stake the dead in the head as soon as they die. But it's about yep. how the outbreak starts again. And it sucks so much bad. <laughs> right. I've got a novel. I've got Undead by John Russo that has the novel version of Night of the Living Dead and that which is the first version of Return of the Living Dead, which he was trying to sell. It's not yep. good. It's not good. No. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, the the novel is not good, but again, Return of the Living Dead, another one of my favorite movies of all time in any genre, but... Yeah, uh, it took them to about 83 to get it made, and yeah. they hired Dan O'Bannon, and he looked at the script and said, no, no, yeah. let me rewrite this. Oh, do you remember who was the first director of Return of the Living Dead but was fired because he had uh, issues? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't remember. Toby Hooper. Oh, Toby Hooper. Yeah. You, even He oh, was fired you, because he loved that white powder more than he loved being a director at that time. I don't I don't think I would have liked a Toby Hooper version. You and I were talking about Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Texas Chainsaw Massacre two before we went on the air tonight and Yeah. I I don't I don't think I would like a Toby Hooper version of Return of the Living Dead. I don't I don't think it would have I don't know, his at the time that he was doing Texas Chainsaw Massacre two, I don't think his style would have would have would have fit as well. Uh, no, Southern with, Gothic wouldn't have really fit with uh, either idea uh, of Return of the Living Dead. 
Yeah, like urban but, punk rockers or, yeah. Yeah, that's the like, Dan O'Bannon. He took it and turned it into this giant punk rock, middle, nihilistic middle finger of a fuck you of a movie. And God, right? is it good. Yeah, it's a, it's a really fun movie for sure. And um, now that um, I'm trying to... I'm trying to think. Uh, what was the movie that Dan O'Bannon did just before that? Uh, oh, Alien. Yeah, but he he directed another movie before uh, Return of the Living Dead, too, right? Uh, no, Return of the Living no? Dead was a direct directorial debut. Oh, no, yeah. no, 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 no. Uh, he wrote Dead and Buried. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of, was Dead and Buried. I, I thought he directed that, too, but no. No, that it was Gary Sherman who directed it. Ah, right on. Yeah. And if you haven't seen Dead and Buried, go in blind. Don't look up any reviews. Don't look up anything that could be misconstrued to be a spoiler. The blinder you go into Dead and Buried, the better it is. The funny thing is, though, we were talking about uh, Toby Hooper, and even though Dan O'Bannon bumped him from the director's chair for Return of the Living Dead, he did go and work for him on what, Toby Hooper's next two movies, Life Force and um, the remake of Invaders from Mars. Dan O'Bannon wrote yeah. for both of those. Yeah. yeah. I, don't know if he, I don't know if he was just a script doctor or if he wrote the actual uh, screenplays, but I know he was yeah. a writer on both of those films. Yeah. So it's kind of funny. <laughs> and another like, unique hey, I, uh, zombie film that people need to really think about and watch if they haven't is children shouldn't play with dead things. Oh, yeah. Yep. For sure. This that, is Halloween that shortly. Let's see. Uh, uh, what's that one about where the girl goes? Messiah of Evil. There's another good one. Yeah. Which I don't want to really yeah. get into the details of. Yeah. Now, that's one no, thing children. before Don. They took risks with the zombie films because you had got stuff like uh, uh, Death Watch, another great one if you haven't seen. Yeah. 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 But you have to remember, too, like, you know, we don't think about it as much now because, you know, with so much stuff like The Walking Dead and, you know, uh, oh. Yeah, it's like uh, the zombie films pretty much, once Don came out, the rules were set in stone. Yeah, before... 
before Night of the Living Dead, what did we really have? All the zombie films, the few that there were before Night of the Living Dead, were well, essentially voodoo. like voodoo zombie movies. Yeah. Yeah, or Nazis bringing back zombies. Like yeah. in the Frozen right? Dead. Right. Yeah. Night of the Living Dead really kind of changed the whole landscape because it was, and, you know, they don't ever really determine how the zombies came about in Night of the Living Dead. They hint that it had something to do with a nuclear accident and a satellite that exploded or something, but they never really get around to saying, well, this is exactly how it happened. So. Yeah. That kind of opened up the the whole the whole world for okay. Yeah, you now can, Return of Living you, Dead, they they uh, did it as an end joke to five four five trioxin, and they talk about yeah. that poor bastard that made Night of the Living Dead in Pittsburgh, who had to change all the facts around or else he'd get his ass sued off. Typical army screw up. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> they shipped them here. Yeah. <laughs> I love yeah. that. So they do, yeah, they kind of lean into it in Return of the Living Dead for sure, where they kind of make it a fucks, joke about And Dan O'Bannon purposely fucks with some of the rules that were set in stone since Dawn of the Dead, which is shoot him in the head. Well, yeah. and Night of the Living Dead, too. Right, right. Because he hits him in the head with a pickaxe and then doesn't kill him. I hit him in the freaking brain. <laughs> it worked in the movie. It's not working now. You mean the movie lied? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's actually one of my favorite line deliveries of all time. You mean the movie lied? Yeah. <laughs> Tom Matthews, the way he just delivers his lines in that movie, the way everyone does their line delivery in that movie is just so beautiful comic timing. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. I know. It's one, it's one of those movies that you can't really describe to anyone who's never seen it. You're just, you just have to kind of be like, I don't know, man. Watch it. It's a comedy movie but it's gory and it's horrible and uh i don't know people there's boobs if, if that's what it's gonna take to sell you on it <laughs> yeah i mean <laughs> uh, yeah uh, i don't know uh there's a girl that i'm that i'm friends with who uh is a burlesque dancer and uh, we were joking around one night, uh, like, I used to do comedy shows at this club, that there was a comedy club on one side and a burlesque club on the other side, yeah. they were owned by the same, they were owned by the same guy, but after you finished your comedy show, they'd let you go into the burlesque show for free if you wanted to stick around and have some drinks, and, uh, yeah. I was joking around. I was joking around with her one night, and uh, she said something about um, she said something about Return of the Living Dead, and uh, I 
I always wear like jeans and a t-shirt and a sweatshirt. I dress like a fucking skater kid from the nineties, you know? And, uh, and, and she said something to me about it. And I was like, what do you think? This is a fucking costume. (laughs) And she was like, this is a way of life. Yeah, she was like, is that a Return of the Living Dead reference? And I was like, yes, it is. Thank you. (laughs) And it has one of the best soundtracks of the 80s. People fight me over this, and I'll fight them back, that Return of the Living Dead is one of the best soundtracks of the freaking 80s. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's got, they got the cramps on there. Oh, man. Uh, 45 Grave. Rokey yep. Erickson. Yep. You know, Burn the Flames wasn't really intended to be in the movie. Dan O'Bannon wanted I Walked with a Zombie, but he couldn't get the rights to it. So he used Burn the Flames instead. Well, I mean, the way that they use it in the movie works pretty well. Oh considering yeah. Considering the scene, <laughs> considering the scene that they use it in, uh, it works yeah. pretty well. Yeah, that's a good one. That yeah. scene came from that a lot that line that improvised by uh, James Karen when he leaned over he said, "Some big favor, I can run that goddamn machine." Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. And Return of Living Dead is one of the best, and the Knoxville Horror Fest Drive-In Fest that's happening in the two weeks is going to be showing that on the Saturday night. Nice. Nice. It's yeah. going to be a triple feat. It's a Saturday show, and it's the triple feature of Return Opening Return of the Living Dead. Demons huh. and Grizzly too. Oh, nice. That's a good one. Yeah, uh I can't I can't remember off the top of my head, but the drive in near me is doing a Halloween triple feature too. Uh, yeah, they're, they're shipping out Halloween and Halloween four yeah. to theaters yeah. again. Yeah. Why are they not shipping no, no. out Halloween 2 with it? Well, probably because uh, Universal owns Halloween 2, and they're a real motherfucker when it comes to the rights of it. Right. Yeah. No, uh, up, up here, uh, none of the movie theaters are opening back up again, but the drive-in theaters are all still open, so they're, uh, they've been doing a lot of cool stuff up here. You know, they've been doing a lot of cool stuff at the drive-in this year. But the biggest thing was that Romero's official sequel to Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, he tried to get the company to move his movie Two weeks back. But they're like, really? no, we'll go head to head. Fuck this little movie. We, No one's going to know Eternal Living Dead. 
We'll go back to back, and we'll beat them. <laughs> and they end yeah. up screw, pretty much screwing each other, which is what Romero would said would happen. Yep. Yeah. I mean, when it comes to Romero's Living Dead movies, I don't know. Day of the Dead is not one of my favorites. It's, uh, I don't know. My friend Corey and I have had this discussion a few times. Yeah. He likes likes Day of the Dead more than Dawn of the Dead. And I kind of... I kind of like the concept, like, if there was a zombie apocalypse and, you know, like, you went and lived in an underground bunker and, you know, I guess, I mean, it's There's it's only neat, one but, girl. Yeah, but... But my I, I point is, is that you're a fan of Night of the Living Dead. Imagine what kind of summer that would have been. August the 1st. Wow, Day of the Dead. Yes, I'll go see that. Two weeks later. You mean two weeks later? The fucking sequel to Night of the Living Dead? Yes! (laughs) Right? Instead it's... Okay, make a choice. Fuck. (laughs) Now, um... I believe that the whole concept of Day of the Dead was based on uh, a true story that there was uh, the the helicopter pilot and his partner there that have the trailer way down at the bottom of the uh, of the tunnel there. Now yeah. that was that was based on a true story of. Uh, of a uh, of an underground bunker where they were keeping old film canisters. Yeah, uh, film canisters, uh, records. Uh, before the right. pandemic, so, they was giving out tours of the place. So how annoying would it have been if those two motherfuckers started watching Night of the Living Dead? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're like, well, we got all these movies down here. Let's find one that we can watch. Oh, Night of the Living Dead. That, that's about how corny it's getting with the, like I said before, the whole night, every friggin' horror movie, someone watches Night of the Living Dead. But, oh, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it, I it, mean, it could... yeah. But Return of the Living Dead was a pretty decent hit. It did great. On VHS, but so did Day of the Dead. Yep, yeah. yep, yeah. yeah. I have I have Return of the Living Dead on VHS, but truth be told, I do not own a copy of Day of the Dead. I I don't I don't care enough for it. I don't know. It doesn't really, uh, you know. I got a Marie Kondo that shit. It does not inspire joy, so I do not keep a copy of it around my house. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but, yeah, I, I mean, and what happened is, is the studio decided, wow, the comedy part of Return of the Living Dead is what works. So we got 
Return of the Living Dead 2, which is basically almost the same movie as the first, except made for kids. Yeah, yeah. It, it is essentially a remake. I mean, for all, it even has the same actors in it. So, yeah. yeah. But it's made for yeah. kids with cute zombies and kitty jokes. <laughs> with right. kids running right. around, oh my God, is it horribly bad. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I never cared for it, um, especially since, like I said before, the original Return of the Living Dead is one of my favorite films of all time, from any genre. So I was excited for part two, uh, but yeah, I saw what they were going for with it, but it just didn't do much for me. So I was just kind of like, yeah, I'm whatever. Karen are great in it as usual, but let's make sure that they don't talk through 90% of the movie. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No. Well, I told you I'm watching uh, Return of the Living Dead Part 3 right now. Yeah, which was made by Brian Usna, and it's more of a love story than the other two. The only connecting thread between the not Return of the Living Dead films now are is the gas. Right. Yeah. And and I, I like Frank better than you did because of Melinda Clark, but yeah, it is very slow paced. Yeah, and I like Brian Yosna, you know, like, I'm a big fan of of uh, Brian Yosna and, uh, you know, the films that he's done uh, with, um, oh, you know who Stuart I'm thinking Gordon. of, Regan, yeah, yeah, Stuart Gordon, yeah, um, I, I'm a big fan of his, but I don't know. This movie just doesn't really do it for me, but uh, I don't know. It's on in the background right now while we're talking, and I don't know. I, I'm i not really paying that much attention to it, but it's on. And, you know, the fact that I have a gigantic TV that dominates an entire wall of my house and I'm not even really looking at it just goes to show you how uninterested I am, but... Yeah, you said it yourself. (laughs) It's one of the most 90s horror films out there. For sure, yeah. Especially when she gets the piercing in her nipples in there. It just reminds... I can't look at a girl with 90s piercing without thinking of uh, that scene with... uh, What's her name? uh, In Pulp Fiction... Oh, uh, yeah. Um, Rosanna Arquette. Yeah, Rosanna Arquette is the one that has all the piercings in Pulp Fiction, yeah. Yeah. I got one in my mouth, one in my tit, one in my clit. Oh, I got the one in your mouth for? Helps with fellatio. So you got all that shit in your bag score a sex thing? Yeah. <laughs> true story he went to buy weed from a guy 
And while he was waiting, the girl that was, it was basically the same scene, except he was buying weed, except for, you know, instead of heroin. And there was a girl out there talking about all that. And then when he went into the room to buy the weed from the guy, he said the same thing, like, who's that chick with all her shit and all the shit in her face? And the guy was like, oh, that's my girlfriend. (laughs) So that was actually based on a true story, apparently. I mean... But, yeah, Who that's knows, one but... thing about the 90s is overindulgence and piercing on both guys and girls. Like, I yeah. can remember going with my cousin once to a Goodwill shop, and this motherfucker had two rings on his lips, uh, two big old hoops in his ear, about yeah. four studs in his nose, and it was a Christian Goodwill shop. <laughs> right? Just, yeah. I, and we I, didn't hear anything have, else from Return of the Living Dead moving on until the 2000s when the Sci-Fi Channel gleefully shit on us two sequels, Return of the Living Dead, Rave to the Grave, and I forget the other one because I ran away screaming. Uh, I have never seen uh, Return of the Living Dead 4 and 5, and I am proud of that fact. Yeah, the the fourth one was Necropolis, I think oh, Necropolis. was the name of it. And then the fifth one was, yeah, Rave to the Grave. Yeah. They were both horrible. Yeah. But... Like I said, I had kind of already given up on the Return of the Living Dead series after Part 2. I reluctantly watched Part 3, and I, yeah, I just felt like that was a ridiculous, like you said, it's just so 90s that I can't even get into it, you know, and like, as someone who went to high school. When they first show with all the piercings in her, because Linda Clark was hot. Well, she still is, but that's beside the point. Yeah. Yeah. I'll give you that. But, yeah, I don't know. As someone who went to high school in the 90s when everybody was getting pierced and, you know, all gothed out and everything, I don't know. I was never really like that. Like, I had long hair, and I did have both my ears pierced, but that was it for me. I'm I'm almost 50 years old. I don't have any tattoos. I let my pierced ears heal up I know. I'm going to look weird in a nursing home. I don't have any tattoos or piercings. I'm like, what the right? fuck? Weirdo. <laughs> but, the yeah, going is, back... Uh, they're try- they tried everything they could to get the rights back to Night of the Living Dead. They even put out a color edition to try to trademark that to get their trademark established. It didn't work, but, God, that colorized version was horrible. Yeah. It yeah. was one of those where the body and the color didn't match up. Or, have you ever seen it? There's a bit where, you know, Russell Steiner goes, they're coming to get you, Barbara. And he moves yep. left to right, and the colorization stays in the middle, and you see his black and white body just poke out 
on either side of it. It's such a horrible <laughs> job. <laughs> right. Well, but again, remember, they're just trying to get the copyright back. And another thing they did, and Romero, everyone came together for this, was Tom Savini did a remake in 1990, and it was fucking good. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. We were talking about this earlier, the... uh yeah, just the amazing amount of star power, but like we were saying, most of the people weren't stars at the time, and that was kind of their jumping off point. Was Yeah, like uh, Tom Towles before uh, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer Escaped. Yeah. Tony Todd a year before uh, Candyman came out in 1991. Yep. Bill Mosley in, I think, his second movie role. I'm not sure. He might have done some smaller stuff, but, yeah. It's sad that really it was like, take this Chainsaw Massacre 2. And then he really bust broke out in House of a Thousand Corpses. Yeah. And I think uh, the remake of Night of the Living Dead kind of suffered because if you really think about it, I mean, obviously remakes and reboots are a big thing right now. They have been for several years now. But... That wasn't really something that you did back then, you know? Like, if you if you remade or rebooted a movie, most of the time, like, you think about something like, I don't know, Roman Holiday or something, you know? Uh, yeah. Most of, most of the time they would change the name of the movie completely so you wouldn't realize it was a reboot or a remake or something, you know? Or... Uh, or we talked about this on another uh, on another episode, like Hitchcock remade some of his own films, so you could kind of forgive that, because you're like, well, it's his movie, he can do whatever he wants with it, you know? Um, but I think, uh, you know, Neither Living Dead was one of the first real remakes where people were kind of, like, up in arms, like, oh, you can't touch it, it's a classic, like, what are you doing, you know? And uh, it's too bad because, because uh, yeah, Tom Savini did a great job with it, you know. And it was, it is a really good, uh, it is a really good remake for sure, um, you know. And certainly... it changed up enough from the '60s to the '90s that it makes it seem kind of fresh. Yeah, yeah, right. Like with Barbara's I mean... angle during the last third of the movie. Yep, yep. And, I mean, arguably, I mean, I, I, I have a hard time with it because, like I already said earlier, Dawn of the Dead is one of my favorite movies. So I wasn't really thrilled that Zack Snyder decided to make a remake of Dawn of the Dead, but... 
it's not a bad movie. It's it's yeah. It's, well, the thing is, is that. Richard P. Rubenstein's a money-grubbing piece of shit. Yeah, well, that's Hollywood for you. <laughs> what happened was is that Romero wanted to be, well, King Billy wanted to ride off on his own again, so he just gave up the rights to Dawn and Day as a Dead to Rubenstein. Yep. Right. Yeah. And we got two horrid sequel slash remakes to Day of the Dead. Like, oh yeah. All I gotta say about Day of the Dead Contagion is look at the cover, it shows a zombie projectile vomiting. That's how you feel while watching the movie. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> I we should have talked about those movies. Uh, last week when we did our show about uh, direct, like, movies that started in the theater and went direct to video, because those Day of the Dead movies never played, the the sequels, those never played in the theater, did they? Yeah, they wasn't small enough where they could say they played in theaters, but they did. And then we had the Day of the Dead remake that made Bub a vegetarian. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say when we were talking about uh, talking about Day of the Dead earlier. Uh, I I friggin' I hate Bud. I, that character. I get what they were going for with that. Okay, they're 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 trying to show that the zombies still have some semblance of humanity in them, and you know. Well, like. We've talked before, it's supposed to be part of evolution. Really, at right. the end of the Dawn of the Dead, in the original script that they wrote it, uh, Fran and them, when they went into the freezer the first time, they were supposed to find bodies in there where they had stored them to feed the zombies. You know. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. But I don't know. I I don't dislike Day of the Dead completely, but it's just there's some stuff in it that's kind of ridiculous, like that I just can't yeah. get into. So, yeah. Well, I've always called it the best movie pulled out of George Romero's ass at the last moment, and that should tell you where some of the problems come from. Yeah, right? He wrote the script for it in two weeks. Right. Yeah. And and because Night of the Living Dead was presumed to be public domain, people were using the Living Dead name. Sometimes you got yep. good ones like the Living Dead at the Manchester Morgue, or as we knew it, <laughs> don't open the fucking window. What? Don't open the window! <laughs> Where they got that title from the Living Dead at the Manchester Morgue, I don't know. Yeah. It it sounds like it sounds like the uh sounds like the name of a music festival. Like, you know, 
like you'd have a bunch of punk rock bands like the Misfits and the Cramps and stuff playing like, oh, the Living Dead at Rochester Morgue. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, there's like uh, Living Dead, uh, Raiders yeah. of the Living Dead, which had Lash, <clears throat> Lash Lou, an old Western star with a bullwhip fighting zombies. And then yeah. there's Re- an what was the other one that had the guy, the little boy? Oh yeah, living. De- uh, the one with the guy the title, from the thing with the thing. It had the little boy who turned <laughs> I a Commodore six four, sixty four into a laser gun and started killing zombies with that. I don't. I don't think I remember a movie like that. Are you sure you yeah, didn't just smoke Scotty a bunch Schwartz of? Yeah, that's Scotty in a Christmas uh, tale. Christmas story. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think you just smoked a bunch of weed and made that up. I wished, but just imagine he took <laughs> apart a Commodore sixty-four. And turned it right. into a laser gun and started fighting the zombies. Pew, 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 I, pew. I did not remember any I do not remember any movie like that in all of the years that I've been alive. I've watched probably over five hundred thousand movies and I do not remember any movie like that. You said it has Scott Swartz in it? Yeah. He's he's the one who yeah. takes apart he takes apart a gun uh, or a Commodore 64 and makes it into oh laser gun. <laughs> I don't know, man. I think you're making this up. <laughs> no. <laughs> this is one of the few I'm not too stupid. Hold on. I'll look it up. Uh, I'm looking it up right now, and I'm not seeing it. Oh, wait, I see one that it could be. 1986, Raiders of the Living Dead. He definitely has a laser gun in his hand. Yep. He travels, finds mad scientists that's creating zombies. I have never heard Raiders of this movie of in my life. Raiders of the Living Dead, that's it. Yeah. Yep, that's it. Raiders of the Living Dead. I have never heard of this movie in my life. (laughs) Just imagine that. A little boy turning, like I said, turning a a computer, a a fucking rinky-dink-ass Commodore 64 into a use in his experimental laser cannon. It's such a great movie. It's such a great movie that on the IMDb page, he's the only person with a headshot. All of the rest of the cast and crew are just blank eggs, like when you first start a friggin' uh, Twitter account. Well, you know who (laughs) Sam Sherman is. Sam Sherman? Yeah. Yeah. 
and Brett Piper. Yep. Yeah. Okay, That's here's weird, the though. Thought I... of it. Oh, come on. In an abandoned prison, a doctor revived ex-convict as a living dead. Jonathan, oh, no, this is even stupider. Jonathan, a teenager, creates a weapon from a laser disc player's laser. A A laser disc laser reader. And produces the wall and pursues the Walking Dead, aided by his girlfriend and grandfather. <laughs> oh God! Imagine taking yeah. a laser from a laser disc player and then being able to turn that into a laser gun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Imagine how much trouble we would have got into as kids if we was able to do that. We'd be like laser guns burning down the entire woods or the entire town. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you see movies like Living Dead. There's Garden of the Living Dead, which is the one yeah. about the prisoners who smoke formaldehyde and then come back as uh, zombies. Yeah, yeah. It's not a good movie, but it's an interesting premise. <laughs> yeah. And the next time they try to get the right, the Night of the Living Dead 30th Anniversary Edition. Have you ever seen that? Uh, probably, but I... I'm not sure what the difference is they between added, that and like, uh, 20 minutes of footage using their families to try to pad it out to get the rights to the movie back. Just yeah. take a knife and stick, ice pick and stick it under your fingernails and stab yourself in the eyeballs. <laughs> That's the experience yeah. of watching this horrid mess. Yeah. I... I've I seen not it in used DVD stores for 88 cents, and no one would touch it. <laughs> yeah, I I don't I don't think I've seen it. No, nope. no. Consider yourself lucky. And Night of the Living Dead was in such public domain that if you were a VHA, if you're a VHS collector and you don't at least own one copy. Or you own the public domain DVD sets, and you don't at least own one or two copies of Night of the Living Dead, then you're not a VHS or a public domain DVD collector. (laughs) (laughs) I I have Night of the Living Dead on VHS and DVD, but... The only reason I bought the DVD copy was because it came with a Night of the Living Dead t-shirt. How about that? Yeah, I mean, yeah, every company would put it out. Even though it wasn't public domain, they would put it out, and there's nothing they could have done to stop it. Right. 
And now we've got something interesting, bad, which is they did a remake called Night of the Living Dead 3D with Sid Haig in it. Oh, God. Yeah. Right? That movie was bad. And then they did something very interesting. Night of the Living Dead reanimated. Have you ever seen that? Yeah. Yeah. That's fucking good. What they did is they took yeah. a isn't about how many, about ten to twenty animators at the least, and each of them animated a different scene from Night of the Living Dead. Yep. Yeah. Um Yeah, I think they did like yeah, uh I think they had, it wasn't just animators because, yeah, I think they had like a hundred different artists and some of them did animation, some of them did claymation, uh, some of them did puppets, some of them did CJI. Yeah, it was neat. That was a neat movie. For sure. So, and the... artists that worked on it were from all around the world. Uh, so you get a lot of different takes on what, what people, you know, took away from the film when they either originally saw it, if they were artists who had never seen it before, or, uh, you know, how they felt about it when they first saw it or fans who have watched it over and over and over again. Um, it kind of reminded me of, uh, have you ever seen that French film, um, uh, oh, what the hell is it called? Um, wait, I got Allegro a copy of it right topo? here. Uh, what is it? Allegro non topo? No, no, that's not the one I'm thinking of. Um, Fears of the Dark, that's the one I'm thinking of. Have you ever seen oh. that film? No. Yeah, fears. Yeah, fears of the dark. Um, it's kind of a similar concept with like it. It was produced by a French company, so it was released as as a French film. But it's artists from all over the world who illustrate stories in different styles. It's very similar yeah. to. Uh, it's very similar to uh, Reanimated. Yeah, it's uh, it's really it's a neat it's a neat flick. You should check it out yeah. sometime if you can, if you if you get a chance. Uh, it has. And here we got my, a bunch of crap. Night of the Living Dead Resurrection. Night of the Living Dead in Wales. That's what it is. Night of the Living Dead 3D Reanimation. Night of the Living 3D Dead. Night of the Living Dead, 2014. Night of the Living Dead, Darkest Dawn. Night of the Living Dead, Genesis. Yeah. (laughs) They put out a lot of shit. Well, they, they kept going with, uh, Oh, Jesus, what? 
So after after we got Land of the Dead, which we didn't talk about, but that was that was one of Romero's last contributions. He did what? Land of the Dead, and then what? Diary of the Dead. Diary of the Dead, and then the film that we don't want to uh, admit exists. Survival of the Dead. Right. I I had high expectations for Diary of the Dead because when I was reading about it before it came out, they made it sound like it was going to be a found footage film but they made it sound like, you know, it was going to be about a group of survivors who were trying to make it from, like, one side of town to the other, and you were going to see uh, traffic cam footage, uh, surveillance camera from convenience stores footage, like, you know, and people's film from, uh, you know, footage from their uh Phones and footage from people who were spectators with their video yeah. cameras. I I thought it was going to be a really neat like cut up of a bunch of different styles of film, and I was I was really excited about that because I was like, well, that's a that's a departure for Romero, right? Like that's something he's never tried before. But that was the film that I was told about is not the film that I got. You know, so I yeah, don't what know. we got it is a bunch of assholes in an RV that you really didn't give a shit about. Yeah, exactly. I didn't care about any of the characters, and there was nothing spectacular about the, uh, you know, the the film, uh, you know, the filmmaking or anything like. Yeah. You know, it's what I love a lot about like older Romero stuff. Like, it's one of the reasons why Creepshow is one of my favorite films is because the camera work is so spectacular and, you know, the colors pop on the screen, you know, he, he, he knew what he was doing when it came to like framing shots, directing, you know, colors and and stuff like that. But I just kind of felt like towards the end of his career, he fell off, you know, it's well, one the of the rumor reasons I is, love remember the rumors that went around that Diary and Survival, Romero didn't direct. He just put his name on them. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. I can definitely I mean, tell that there really what Romero didn't do much of Survival because there wasn't no Romero touches in Survival. Right. Yeah. I mean, even if you look at movies like uh like um Martin and um Monkey, Monkey Shines and uh uh what's the other one I'm thinking of? Man, I'm I'm spaced out tonight. Um what what's, what's of the, the one Witch. where Seasons of the Witch? What's the one where the water supply gets poisoned and it's uh oh the crazy town is yeah the crazies yeah 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 um yeah you look at movies like that and they have a feel you know they have like a look to them that you can look 
you know, you can watch them and say this is definitely a, a Romero film, you know. But yeah. those last couple, those last couple of zombie movies, just yeah, they don't feel like Romero films to me. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and then I mean, it was just one of those things. Like towards the end, if you remember looking at interviews, he's like, "No one will give me any money except to make these damn zombie movies." Yeah, I know. You and I have talked about this before, not just about Romero, but like all these friggin' directors who have made like hit movies in their career and then they have to go back begging hat in hand for some money and you know like how many friggin' years did Scorsese have to wait to make the Irishman like I think he already proved that he knows how to make a gangster film why don't you just why doesn't someone just give him the money so he can make another gangster film especially when he's telling you oh I've got you know, I've got Joe Pesci, I've got Pacino, I've got De Niro. Can I have some money for a movie? And all these companies are turning them away. Like, well, what have you ever done? Like, uh, have you ever seen Goodfellas? Uh, have you ever seen Casino? Have you ever seen Mean Streets? Um, I think I've yeah. proven that I know how to make a friggin' gangster movie, you know? Like, what the hell? I don't understand. I don't understand the politics. Uh, you know, and honestly, and there's another one that came out that was actually pretty damn fun. If you, it's one of those. This one would be the one that, if you want to know why we like bad movies that we would pay like a dollar to rent a video store, the O.O.'s best film, Screw the uh, Screw Birdemic. Definitely screw the room. Anyone who says, I like Tommy Wiseau's films, I just want to give front and the back of my hand. <laughs> They're nothing compared to films that actually just try to make yourself fun, like Fly to the Living Dead, a.k.a. Plain Dead. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Abby and I were talking this morning about snakes on a plane. I I can't remember. I was looking for something to watch before I went to work this morning, and I was flipping through all of the different streaming services we have, and I can't remember which one it was. We only have the, you know, Hulu, Prime, and Netflix, yeah. but one of them, one of them added – you know, in their new releases, Snakes on a Plane, and I, we didn't watch it, but it was on there, and so we started joking around about it, but yeah, you know, you got to give credit to it, to, you know, when a filmmaker just kind of throws caution to the wind and says, screw it, we're going to have fun, and just make a, we're going to make a goofy movie, you know, so yeah. Would have made snakes on a plane PG thirteen like they wanted to. That would have been unwatchable. Right. Yeah. Well, I think didn't they originally didn't they originally plan on releasing it as PG thirteen and then yeah they even people... shot it as a PG thirteen 
And then they went back right. and shot all the inserts, like the girl being bit on the boob and almost all of the R-rated stuff. Especially yeah. the most famous line from the movie wasn't even in the movie during its first cut. Yeah. I I think the internet, like, people on the internet, like, started making jokes about stuff like that. Uh, yeah. Again, the most the most famous line from the film, and then uh, the filmmakers were like, all right, well, the hell with it. This is what the people want, which which is actually a bold a bold choice if you think about it. Like, that doesn't happen all the time, you yeah. know? You, it's, not, it's not often that the Internet can bully a filmmaker into changing their movie, you know? Although, speaking of... We we mentioned Zack Snyder earlier with his Dawn of the Dead remake. You see that they're doing the uh, the uh, Zack Snyder Justice League cut, and uh, which I don't really care about. But at the same time, hey, it'll I'm be good. Sure. I liked all of Zack Snyder's other superhero movies. Yes, I said it. And I well, I actually own the four hour cut of Watchmen. Yeah, yeah. That Watchmen is the only one of his movies that I own, but uh, that was more because I was already a fan of Watchmen anyway. And then I saw the movie, and I thought he did a great job with that. I mean, I've seen all of his other movies too. I mean, I guess Three Hundred. He did a good version of Three Hundred as well. He's definitely really good at looking at a comic book and capturing the the frames on camera and making it look yeah. really cool. You know, he's definitely really good at that. But, um, yeah, I haven't really been much of a fan of the rest of his work. Uh, my point is, I think um, the fact that, you know, he's got that director's cut of Justice League coming out I think that was really, like, internet-based, you know? A lot of fans just kind of, yeah. like, harassed the studio until they were finally like, all right, all right, all right. Josh Whedon cut sucked ass. What's that? The Josh Whedon cut sucked ass. There's just no oh, way around yeah. it. Yeah, right? And now yeah. we're going to go into two of the best comedy love notes to the Dead series, which first I'm going to go to the Cuban one. Have you ever seen Juan of the Dead? Yeah, yeah, right? That's funny. It's about a guy in Cuba who decides when a zombie outbreak comes out to open a business where he'll come to your ha- where he goes to people's houses and kills their loved ones for them because he knows that they can't do it because they're so traumatized. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's hard. It's, it's going to be hard for you to kill your uh, your mom, but I'll do it for you. <laughs> yeah. 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 But, and they actually have that as a commercial in there, and it's hilarious. Right? Yeah. It's interesting because um, that movie, it, if you really think about it, if, if any, anyone who hasn't seen it yet that's listening to the show, um, 
it follows the very formulaic uh, zombie movie uh, idea. Uh, it's almost it, it is it is a comedy horror comedy. It's a parody, but it almost uh, it almost feels like um, oh, fuck. Once again, I'm spacing it. What's what's the friggin' uh, the the first fast-running zombie movie uh, from train, train Spotting Dude there. Uh, what the hell is that oh, movie called? Oh, 28 Days Later. Yeah, 28 Days Later. It almost follows that same uh, formula where it starts off with the zombie invasion, and then he comes up with the idea for the business, but then it ends with him getting dragged in by the military and, uh, you know, uh, joining up with them while the, the zombies, like, get their increase. There are more and more zombies. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's so fun, but it, it, it's not the most fun and the most loving one. No. It, it follows... Like I said, it does have comedy elements, but it follows a more typical zombie movie yeah. uh, arc, and it does get it does get pretty dark at times. Yeah, but it's a fun movie though. For I, I mean, I enjoy it. Yeah. yeah. Not the as most much fun as I enjoy one is, Well, we're gonna have to go back to a TV show one once where. Uh, well, we'll get into this. It had an episode where this guy was playing like a video game, uh, Resident Evil, and he fell asleep, and he dreamed that he was killing zombies in Resident Evil, and they were all his friends. And right. you know what show that was? I don't know. Space. By Simon Pegg and uh, what's his name that directed uh, Scott Pilgrim? Yeah, uh, yeah, I know. Uh, I got it. <laughs> uh, yeah, space. Uh, oh, for fuck's sake! I got, I got the. Space DVD right here in my hand, but the writing is so small I can't fucking read it. Well, they decided uh, him, Nick Frost, and... Give me a second. Simon Pegg, Nick Frost, and Edgar White decided to take that episode of Space and change it Turn into it in. a movie. And it turned out to be the best damn zombie movie of the OOs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Shaun of the Dead the is dead. definitely... Shaun of the Dead is definitely... Uh, one of my favorite horror comedies of all time, and I friggin' love Spaced. Like, you don't even know, man. Like, I wanted 
like, I first saw Space on Hulu, like, ten years ago. They had, in Space, there's only, like, ten episodes of Space, because it was a British TV show. And you know yeah. British TV is notorious for just having, like, six, five or six episodes per season. So, there well, only, like, the ten BBC episodes. wanted them back, but Shaun of the Dead was such a big hit. <laughs> right. So I wanted I wanted space on on DVD or Blu-ray so bad and could not find it, could not find it, could not find it anywhere for so long. And I'm going to tell you this thing. One thing about my wife is that chick, she she keeps meticulous notes. That woman has found me more of the things that I want in the last 10 years that we've been together than all of the other people in my life combined. She remembers every year at Christmas time, I'm like, it's three days before Christmas and I'm trying to figure out what to buy her. And every year at Christmas time or on my birthday, our birthdays are the same week, by the way. So again, two days before her birthday, I'm stumbling around trying to figure out what to get her. That woman remembers everything that I want in the world, and she manages to dig it up. And I will never forget how excited I was the Christmas morning that I went to open my presents, and she had somehow located space on DVD and had it shipped from across the, across the pond, as they say, and got me a copy of that. It's, yeah, it, it, Space is one of the best comedy shows of all time. If you haven't seen it, then you're doing yourself a disservice, people. Uh, but yes, and Space of the to Dead is just of the Dead. great. I love how yeah. they mix the horror and the comedy, but they don't short shrift either side. Cause right, first half is hilarious. I mean, really, it is. And then they get to the bar, and then shit gets serious. And when it does, they don't do anything goofy with it. Like, once Sean's mom gets bit, spoilers. Yeah. (laughs) It gets dark. Right. And another thing that I love about Sean of the Dead, and again, spoilers, but... I love any movie that can tie the beginning of the movie back, loop it back around to the end. You know, uh, as a stand-up comedian, that's something that I try really hard to do with my sets. I try to set up a joke at the beginning and then use the punchline at the end. And Shaun of the Dead, Shaun of the Dead does a really good job of that uh, when at the very beginning when uh, they're sitting at the pub talking about what they're going to do all day. And if you, if you pay attention to it and you listen to what they're talking about and then you watch the movie, they hit every one of those beats. You know, everything that they say they're going to do during the day happens during the course of the film. Yeah. And I think that's it's really fun. It's good writing. It's really good writing. 
And another one where the songs tell you everything, too, like this time. Like they opened the movie with Ghost Town by the Specials. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I I do like the beginning, too, where uh, where the opening where they first show uh, uh, where Simon Pegg is waking up and he walks over to the store and buys his morning uh, chocolate milk or whatever and his Corp, what Cornetto? I guess that's what yeah. it's called, right? The corn. That's what they. That's what they that's love. What they, in that. All the three films they did together, the Cornetto trilogy, which is uh, Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and The World's End. Yeah, yeah. So he, I love it. He walks over the first time, uh, and he gets the chocolate milk and the Cornetto, and then when he walks over two scenes later, all hung over again, uh, there's all the zombies wandering around, but he doesn't notice because he's all hung over. And, uh, because the, when he walks over the first time, there's a bunch of drunk idiots stumbling around in the street. So it's no different to him. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> no and I also game. love that scene where they're singing white lines and it just has a zombie going to <laughs> right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, I think that's the I think that's the first zombie that they see is the one when they're singing white lines. Yeah. 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 When they're when they're leaving the, the pub at night. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. It's a great movie. I mean it's 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 probably one of those few movies that I would say is a perfect film. You know, like you said, it it balances uh, comedy and horror perfectly, and uh, it's it's really well written from the, beginning to end. The post, UK posters, which they didn't over here, which I don't know why, because this is such a beautiful tagline: a rom-com comedy. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that before. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. There's so many films that came out after Shaun of the Dead that ripped it off that ain't even funny. Yeah. Well, I mean, we were just talking about one of the dead, which, I mean, didn't. it doesn't rip off the storyline of Shaun of the Dead, no. but it definitely, but it definitely, you know, the the title came from Shaun of the Dead. Somebody was like, hey, if they can do it, I can do it. So I'm going to write a movie. It, it, you know, you know the first thing that that dude typed down on paper was one of the dead. Ha-ha! <laughs> you know? I've got an idea for it a movie, too. It just seems like a lot of the zombie films in the DVD era was what I call dartboard filmmaking. Right. <laughs> it's like they had two dartboards. Yeah. It's like, okay, we got vampires, zombies, werewolves, funk. Okay, we got zombies. Uh, we right. got schoolgirl, blah, 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 funk. And speaking of ones that should work better than they do, but they don't, is uh, Stacy from Japan, but... That's too rooted in Japanese culture for me to get a lot of the jokes. I'll admit it. Yeah. Friday, that's some of the jokes. 
Right. Now, if I want to watch a Japanese zombie film that come out in the OOs, I'll watch something like Wild Zero. Yeah, right? Yeah. If you haven't seen Wild Zero, you need to watch it. But get a bunch of friends and play the drinking game. But make sure they're hardcore drinkers like Nate. Because if you (laughs) do follow the rules of the Wild Zero drinking game, Y'all can get some alcohol poisoning real quick. <laughs> right? So explain the rules to the drinking game for the listeners at home. Every time someone says rock and roll in it, you take a drink. Every time someone combs their hair, you take a drink. Every time flame shoots out of something, you take a drink. Every time anyone says Toby or Ace, you take a drink. <laughs> yeah. You well, you're right about one thing, my friend. I I can't handle my booze, but even I don't think I could make it through an entire film uh that film in particular playing that drinking game. I, I don't think that I don't think that would work out so well for me. <laughs> Help me out! Yeah. Hey. <laughs> Wild Zero uh, is one of the most insane pieces of filmmaking you're going to see. Hmm. It's about yeah. a noise band that's basically a tribute to the uh, Ramones and their biggest fan who get caught up in an alien invasion that's crossed with a zombie. And the world's tightest shorts. <laughs> and the world's tightest shorts. <laughs> oh, you know the one the Japanese guys wearing are some of the world's tightest shorts ever. <laughs> I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just laughing because you said it. <laughs> and the fact that they can't, and the fact that as the lead female uh, romantic interest, the director cast a transsexual woman right. in there because she was the prettiest woman that was there. Right. Well, you know, there you go. Equal opportunity. There yeah. you go. Love doesn't know, what is it? Love doesn't know gender, sexual thing, just do it. (laughs) Uh, Oh, and I forgot you take a drink every time someone crushes a beer can, too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when, when someone crushes a beer can, that means you have to finish your beer and crush your beer can. I think that, I think that should be the rule. I think that should be the rule. Yeah. Yeah. So I think Synapse still has that on DVD now, Blu-ray, but it has like a whole list with the DVD of the drinking game rules. <laughs> <laughs> it's not available on Blu-ray or DVD, but the drinking game rules are already online. So get ready, folks. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah. Uh, why do you We're think our after Dawn of the Dead that 
that pretty much set the. Why do you think Donna's dad set the rules in stone, and you really didn't see much evolution afterwards? I mean, you know, you have people say, "Yeah, zombies eat brains," and you're thinking, "Mother." Freaka, that was one freaking movie. Just one freaking movie. Right. But pretty much ever since Dawn of the Dead, it shoot him in the head. And the zombies move slow. Yeah. Because if you really look at Dawn of the Dead, the zombies really don't move slow. When right. they're just wandering around, they're wandering around, but as soon as someone gets next to them, they just snap to it. No joke. Yeah. yeah. But then, you know, we talked about that earlier. We briefly mentioned it, even though it doesn't have anything to do with, like, the Romero family tree. But, uh, yeah, 28 days later... The zombies moved fast, and Dawn when Zach and Return of the Living Dead, hell, they're booking it in Return of the Living Dead, right? And which leads to one of the funniest damn scenes in the movie is when the two punks are running towards a medical supply warehouse, and you see the zombies hauling ass behind them trying to catch them, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Zack Snyder definitely, uh, when he did his remake of Dawn of the Dead, he definitely had the zombies moving fast. Like, no doubt about that. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I'm that's thinking... another one of those weird cases where we've barely talked about a little where a movie just slaps on a remake or a sequel name just so they could cash it in like we talked about last week. And it ends up hurting the freaking movie that's, that the people who are trying to sell is trying to cash in on. Right. It hurts the movie, you know. It's like, yeah. hey, we got this great script. Cool, slap Hellraiser on it. But it can stand on its own. Fuck it. <laughs> we got a name that people know. Right. Yeah, I have to admit, as you know, since Dawn of the Dead is one of my favorite movies of all time, when I yeah. saw oh, Dawn of the Dead remake, I was like, oh, fuck this. I'm not watching this movie. But, of course, I watched it, you know. And then he so. leaked the first five minutes of the movie on it and we online, and we were like, what? <laughs> <This> <laughs> right? <is> Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> oh. So we're going into our last half hour here, and I know that we uh, we want to take some time to talk about the Italian zombie movies, right? I like the talk Italian about zombie po- movies because they didn't give a fuck. Yeah. That's the one thing Fulci got on the right. We got to make it like Romero. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> I mean, right? he made Zombie, which is, I love, Dawn of the Dead is the better film, but Zombie is the one that I can watch for pure fun. 
Yeah. Well, I always liked Fulci because he wasn't afraid to go there. Like, every, not every one of his movies, because he, he could, he could tame himself when he wanted to, but when he really wanted to gross you out, when he really wanted to gross you out, he could gross you out. Like, he, he did a lot of, you know, there were a lot of stunts in his movies that, you know, uh, splinters through eyeballs and, yeah, you know, dr- drills through the head, you know, like, Fulci could gross you out when he wanted to. He could pull himself in if he felt like he needed to, but uh, not with his, not with his zombie movies. He went, he went full on with those zombie movies. Yeah, zombie and, had the uh, uh, splinter to the eyeball, uh, worm face biting the girl's neck out. Yep. Yeah. And now, when when Fulci made Zombie, he I don't know if he considered it a sequel to Dawn of the Dead or if it was supposed to be a prequel because Zombie is Well, the, they just labeled the, it as a sequel. Zombie was Dawn of the Dead over there and Zombie Two. If you really but, look, Zombie had like a a shitload of titles. There was uh, Zombie, oh. Zombie yeah. 2, Zombie Flesh Eaters, Woodoo, or right. Voodoo. Yeah. But he does, he does end it with all of the, uh, <clears throat> all of the zombies shuffling across the, the bridge, which, I mean, I, I don't know what bridge there would be in Philadelphia that that could possibly uh, that was represent. That the actual Brooklyn Bridge. They illegally yeah, exactly. stole the shot when he was in New York City. <laughs> right. Well, I I know it's the Brooklyn Bridge. I know that in the in reality it's the Brooklyn Bridge, but I just don't know what bridge he was pretending that it was because. No, it wasn't pretend. Remember, it was set in New York City. Yeah, yeah, the characters went out to the island from New York City, yeah. Yeah. So, but I don't know. That's one of the things, just hearing stories about back in the day from filming movies like that. It's like, well, we just showed up and filmed. Or listening to Rudy Ray Moore talking about, yes, that's... L.A. Airport, and we just walked up there, right. jumped out of the car, filmed for 30 seconds, and then jumped back in the car and drove off before the security could see us. Uh-oh. I hear the puppers barking. And Not happy? <laughs> uh, but, yeah, yeah well, he had his trilogy, which was a zombie... Uh, Gates of Hell, a.k.a. City of the Living Dead, and uh, The Beyond. Yeah. I didn't really care City much for City of the Living Dead. Dead is his Lovecraft movie. The Beyond is... Did you put some acid into my drink? (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. I I didn't care much for City of the Living Dead, but I love the Beyond. I I think that movie's awesome. That was yeah. That Beyond was, a good one. was one of those. He's like, he just went screw logic. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'm just Another shoot one. Of whatever I want to shoot, and then good. Now. Another one of my favorite full cheese is House by the Cemetery. That was a good one, I thought. Oh, and God. Was some of the worst fucking dubbing ever. Well, Mommy, can yeah. I have some candy? <laughs> yeah. I, I always love it when they dub foreign films and they have, like, they have kids in them, and then you're just like, you know whoever dubbed that was not a kid, you know? Yeah, it's like they're older than our age. <laughs> right. Especially the girl. The girl. Yeah. Like that little girl right. sounds like she's like 30. Right. Hello, can I have some candy, please? <laughs> and, yeah. and, for, and for some, I mean, I can't say for some reason, but obviously because they're like, we're talking about like Italian films and French films and stuff. So obviously, yeah, they the weren't even closest... shot with sound. They didn't give a fuck. All right, the closest country that they can find, uh, or even if it's within the same country, the person that they're going to find to speak English and do the yeah. uh, dubbing is going to be someone from England. So they always get people that are like, hello, oh. I didn't. I didn't. This house was haunted. <laughs> yeah. Did you notice how? Did you notice one of the most ridiculous things in the Beyond is David Warbeck was loopy after filming for like twenty hours of filming. So just the fuck with Fulci. Next time you watch it, look when he goes up on the elevator. He loved yep. that gun by putting bullets down the barrel. He thought Fulci would catch it and film it over again, but he kept it in the movie. Right. <laughs> I'm being literal. Uh, he does it. He just drops bullets down the barrel. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to look for it next time I watch. I was actually thinking yeah. about watching it again. I was actually thinking about watching it again a couple of days ago. Yeah, I have a nice, uh, I have a nice copy of it. That the one that came in the uh, the tin box with the extra with the bonus footage and like the couple of different cuts of it. Yeah, that yeah. was one of the first Grindhouse DVDs releasing DVDs. Yeah. But yeah, um, I don't know. And After... there's a Nightmare City, I think, which we did talk about. Uh... Yeah, I don't know. I don't really care for that. I don't really care for that much. Or Doctor Butcher, MD. Yes. Well, I, I want to think that there's like three or four different movies mixed up in one. First, you got the. The voodoo film, then it turns into yep. a cannibal film, then it turns into a zombie film, 
And then they burned down the same shack they burned down in Lucio Fulci's Zombie. <laughs> right? Yeah. I love any movie. I love any movie where a mannequin, where an obvious mannequin gets thrown off a roof. That that you, you can't go wrong. I mean, yeah, those, those are the, there's there's those are the specialist of effects. Yeah, and do you know who the original director of Doctor Butcher M.D. I did. I did know, but uh, no, I no. Wes Craven. Really? Yeah. No, I. I guess I never. I guess I never did know that. No. Yeah, he was nope. hired, but then they. Uh, uh, he quit because he thought it was too stupid. <laughs> well, what would he have been working on at that time? Uh, it was uh, In Between the Hills Have Eyes and uh, Deadly Blessing. Really? I thought Dr. Butcher was older than that. Yeah. Remember, the Hills Have Eyes come out in about 78. Right. And, and then the blessing but, was about 83, 84. Yeah. See, that's why I was confused. I guess, yeah, I guess I thought, uh, I guess I thought Hills Had Eyes came out in like 80. Yeah. But, Yeah. But yeah, I knew Deadly Blessing was like mid, early to mid '80s. But I thought Hills Had Eyes yeah. came out in the early '80s, right? But yeah, but. there were so many of the Italian zombie films. Uh, Hell of the Living Dead, which is fun. Yep. Good one. Good call. <laughs> but yeah, they really put. They really pumped them out because that was the Italian exploitation way of just putting them out as quick as they could. Yeah. Well, I and I don't really think that I don't really think they were trying to rip off Romero in this regard because, as we mentioned before, um, Argento even you know did his own cut of. Dawn of the Dead yeah. with, with with Romero's permission. He, I mean, he gave Romero the money to make Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, he gave so, half of the money to it. But right. really, the thing is, is that they weren't ripping them off. Isn't st- ripping them off? It's like what's making money? Jaws is making money. Okay, we're going to make like ten Jaws cash ins. Yeah, rip off. Yeah, Jaws was making money, so what? Uh, so let's make tentacles. Oh, oh, yeah. Man, that that movie's horrible. That that's the a thing is, is that after Dawn of the Dead, you could release gore films unrated in the early eighties to theaters. Which really yeah. is surprising nowadays because there's no way you could get a film like Maniac in the theaters 
nowadays. Right. Yeah. Or zombie, or any of the really hardcore gore films that we got in the early right. 80s. Yeah. I know. It's crazy to think about, like, uh, you know, like I said, I grew up in a small town, so we didn't get a lot of those movies in the theaters, but I worked at a video store for, you know, my early adult life, so, uh, you know, I say adult, but, like, as in high school and in college, I worked at a video store, so I got to see all these movies, all this sleazoid stuff that you and I are always talking about, but they never played in theaters around here. Our, our, our movie theaters around here, when I was growing up, were always just like, you know, family-friendly, you know, PG movies. Um, nowadays, we have a lot a lot more theaters up here that show independent films and, and uh, you know, throwback, you know, retro cinema and stuff. So, uh, you know, we can see a lot more of that stuff now. And like I said, the drive-ins are showing a lot of the old horror movies and stuff for fun. So Yeah, because so cool. nothing new. Anything new is coming out on VOD, like uh, this Friday, Possessor is coming out. Right? Yeah. Yeah, that's funny you mentioned that, because I was just reading about that earlier today, and I, I want to see that. That looks good. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like it's going to be something else for sure. Uh, well, it, it looks like he's it's his not, father. Brandon is his father's son, it seems. Yeah. Uh, I liked Antiviral a lot. Uh, if anyone hasn't seen it or doesn't know what we're talking about, we're talking about Brandon Cronenberg, who is David Cronenberg's son, and uh, his first film antiviral if you haven't seen that uh go into it with a strong stomach because it's kind of distressing but if you're a fan of david cronenberg you probably already knew that but he has a new film coming out this week uh possessor which by all accounts i have not seen a preview for it i've only read articles about it but uh it seems like it's going to be particularly distressing as well so uh you know, uh, watch at your own risk, but I'll be checking it out for sure. Yeah. I'm a fan. Yeah. And finally I, on Blu-ray legally over here that came out this week is Shivers. Yeah. Yeah. Was that, was that one of the ones? Oh, no. Because uh, next week we're going to talk about uh, the... 78, 79. I didn't have Shivers on my list. I had The Brood. Yeah. 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 Shivers was about, I think, like 74, I think. Yeah, it was yeah, It was definitely earlier. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Man, Cronenberg. Cronenberg has Brood out, and it's aged well. Yeah. I think... I think all of Cronenberg's movies have aged pretty well. I mean, you know, we've we've talked about them before on the show. Um, and even, like, movies that don't really 
feel like Cronenberg movies, movies that don't really have his voice per se, have still aged really well. He, you know, he's a he's an interesting director. You know, uh, it's the same with like like David Lynch. You know, like there are David Lynch movies that I mean that haven't necessarily aged well but they all have his distinctive stamp on them. So, you know, when you're watching yeah. a David Lynch, you know, you know, when you're watching a David Cronenberg movie, you know, yeah. like some directors, it's just, you just know, you know what you're going to get, you know, like, and again, as I have to mention every single week, Quentin Tarantino is my favorite director and I know what I'm going to get when I go into a Tarantino movie. Whether I'm going to enjoy the movie or not, I at least know what I'm going to get. You know, he has a very distinctive voice. Um, some some directors that um, that are really successful, but like, for instance, Scorsese, you don't always know what you're going to get with a Scorsese movie nowadays. I mean, his... His films have 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 gone kind I of scattershot. Some people being pissed off by Shutter Island because it was a horror film type. Right. I I don't I don't mind Shutter Island. I was thinking more like uh, what what did he do? Uh, what Hugo was that? Was that? Scorsese or Tintin? No, Tintin was uh, Tintin was Spielberg. Yeah, Yeah, Hugo was his. Yeah, Hugo, and it's not a bad film, but it's just kind of like it. It seems out of step for what he usually does for uh, for movies, you know. So Yeah. yeah, it's like if you see Scorsese's name on a gangster film, you know what you're getting. But, I mean, I guess you could say the same thing about Spielberg. I'm not the biggest Spielberg fan, but, I mean, yeah. obviously I love I love the Indiana Jones films. But yeah. other than that, he's kind of hit or miss for me, too. It's like you see his name on a movie and you're like, all right, this might be good. It's Spielberg, but okay. So yeah. somewhere between... Somewhere between E.T. and Schindler's List, I think he kind of lost me, you know? Like, he's just... It's funny to me because he's such a huge name in the industry, but it feels like half of his jobs are just just paycheck jobs. Like, yeah, I'll direct any, you know? I I can see Spielberg on TV, like, I'll direct any movie for $20 million, you know? (laughs) Like... Yeah, I would do, do you have a movie that you want to get made with a name with a director whose name is known in the industry? Call Spielberg at two nine five seven zero one eight. I'll do yeah. it for any. You know, <laughs> that's what it kind of feels yeah, like with him. First night of Halloween, but as we said, the next two weeks on here, we're going to be doing nineteen seventy eight and seventy nine. Because those are the two years, if you really look at the lineups, pretty much set the steer course of where the 80s went. Yeah. 
that's what I that's what I was thinking about earlier. You know, the eighties were the heyday of horror films, and seventy eight and seventy nine teed it up so that we could hit it out of the park. And so that's what we're going to be talking about the next couple yeah. weeks, folks. So please tune in again. We appreciate it. <clears throat> And we've still got our live reading episode for later in this month. And Sunday is going to be SOV Horror with the guy who runs SOV Horror Company. And uh-huh. also, we've got a couple of watches coming up. I don't know what we're going to be doing. We're going to have to be debating on this. What We'll get back to you guys. But I already know me and Tony Strauss of... Uh, Wildside Chronos fames or WK fames. We're going to be watching Alejandro Jodorowsky's. Well, that's mm-hmm. all I'm going to say is we're going to be watching a circus film on Halloween night. Nice. Always. Yeah. Remember, enjoy yourself I'll be this fair. month. Because there's a lot of new movies. I don't know if they're going to be worth any good. Bloomhouse has four new movies coming out on Amazon Prime. We have a crappy reboot of a crappy 90s film, which I didn't like that much. We got Possessor. Uh, Joe Bob's got a special coming out on the 22nd. Yep. And get out to your drive-in and watch some movies while the weather's still good. And with that, good night, everybody. Thanks for listening. Have a good one.